Haha, <laughs> hey Paul, you got any gum? Uh, no, Dave, I've actually got, uh, you know, uh, only two teeth. So <laughs> it would just get lost in my throat. Pet Welcome to Pet Food Beta, Gamerscape's podcast, bringing you the biscuit on all things Final Fantasy XI news, community, and more. I'm Vivi. I'm Roku. And we're here with a very special episode of Pet Food Beta. What do you mean, Vivi? Um, well, you know what, Maroku? Mm-hmm. It's November, and that means it's the 11th month. That, that comes after 10, right? I, I, I can't count very well, so <laughs> please elaborate. Well, with it being the holiday season and all, wouldn't it be nice if we had a special Final Fantasy XI show to deliver to our listeners? I guess. We've already discussed my special comments and how long that takes to edit out. <laughs> what do you have in mind? Um, well, what if we could get an exclusive interview with the development team? But, but that'd be a Christmas miracle, and it's already a month and a half ahead of time. Do you think that we could really do that? Did you hear that? Wait, was that a behemoth in the studio? I think it was actually Kamate from the community team. Oh, Kamate, you scamp. Uh, in all seriousness, we have a um, an exclusive interview with the dev team. Uh, special thanks to Kamate and Fusion X for helping coordinate it. And, um, of course, immense thanks to the, the dev team for taking the time to answer some questions. And, of course, we have 11 questions that we asked them. Which was totally not planned in any way. Well, actually, it kind of was weeks. And uh, actually, mad props to Vivi for kind of uh, rearing in all of my super negative questions and giving you guys some decent ones. So, props to him. Well, uh, we didn't shy away from your negative questions. We just framed them in a more neutral light. That is true. I love compromise. So with that, should we get into the interview? Let's. Okay. Well, um, I guess you want to take turns reading questions and answers? Yeah, that works. Okay. Uh, I'll take the first one. So we asked, what was the development process like for Seekers of Adeline? How is it different from other expansions? And Mizuki Ito, um, the director, answered. He said, uh, in the period leading up to release, we had our first chance to collaborate with external developers, mainly regarding map creation. Working together with other companies in pursuit of the quality expected of a Final Fantasy game was an invaluable experience for us. Post-release, we established and implemented version updates each month with the goals of autonomously making improvements and responding to user requests through venues such as forums to the greatest possible extent. As a result, we can think of this expansion pack as precipitating our building of a system that enables us to have close interaction with our users and our releasing of content that continues to provide them with topical content. Um, so that's pretty cool. It, se- it seems like what I gathered, and it's, it's clear from the zones in Seekers of Adeline that they are vastly different than the other uh, previous zones. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense that uh, and they brought on some people to help with that. I mean, if you just look at the, the architecture in Adeline itself, it's... Um, it's it radically different. Radically but, uh, different and very detailed. Um, so that was that was cool to find out um, that they worked with another team to help with that. And then um, I think it's been pretty clear that, you know, after launch, they've pretty consistently been making updates, um, some of them larger than others, but it's not like that. What was it? Wings of the Goddess took four years to complete? Three and a half, something three like that, yeah. Seekers of Adeline took... Uh, 
uh, not even two, I think. And they're still going to be adding stuff, but the missions are finished now. Yes. Um, the, the interesting thing that I got from this was that um, I believe this is the first case of a numbered Final Fantasy being made by a third party. Well, I, I didn't really take it like that. Well, not by, well, having a third party involved. Like, I mean, obviously, Square Enix put a lot of work into it, but it, it just, it sort of was that last piece of the puzzle, like we were saying earlier, of how everything in the area of the expansion is so radically different than what was previously. Yeah. I know that I know that Square Enix has worked with um, third parties for main numbered Final Fantasies for things like uh, costume design and stuff like that. I'm not sure about development. You might be right about that. Right. No, that was really quite cool. Updates seem to have picked up in frequency since Akihiko Matsui was brought on as producer, as long-standing quality of life issues seem to get addressed every month now. How has this direction influenced the development? Akahiko Matsui, the producer, responded with, I felt that having version updates once every three months caused us to lack the capacity to rapidly respond to the feedback received from our players. I consulted with the development team, reviewing the volume of content in an individual version update, as well as our long-term plans in order to best take into consideration player options. Additionally, the team now more tightly operates its version management system. So that kind of goes back to, um, I guess, what we were talking about in the first question, where it sounds like um, one of the things that Matsui really wanted to change when he was brought on was um, how quickly they can respond to, to feedback from the players. Mm. Um, and that uh, that really seems uh, ev- evident, you know. Yeah, if there is one thing I can definitely compliment them on, uh, with this particular expansion pack uh, it's just it doesn't feel like it's been a year or so. It feels like the expansion just came out to me, and I think that might be because of the constant presence of an update sort of always on the horizon. Yeah, and also quickly addressing like. Um, mechanics that I, I don't think that they foresaw um, like if you remember when Delve first came out mm. um, and people would like kite tax it all the way to one of the waypoints so that people could just get KO'd home point warp back like stuff like that that got addressed very very quickly like before the next version update if I remember correctly um, so yeah being you know uh, being a little more swift with how they respond the next thing we asked was that we've seen some major system updates within the past two years, such as increased resolution, larger macro palettes, expanded inventory, just just to name a few. Are there any other major system changes on the horizon you can talk about? And Yoji Fujito, who's uh, one of the directors, had said that we have several improvements planned in terms of system side issues. On the immediate horizon are plans to impl- implement a separate chat log windows and the ability to equip two link shells at once. We are also thinking of other somewhat large improvements, not just limited to improving quality of life, but also enhancing the community functions. So that's pretty cool. It's been a while since we've heard about the separate chat log windows. Um, <clears throat> so nice to hear that that is back on the um, immediate horizon. It would be really nice to sort of see like uh, the big chat log that we've got right now, just sort of have that cut in half, like uh, right down the middle of it, um, and yeah. then have like the print go a tiny bit smaller, and that would just be really nice. Yeah, I was thinking of that the other day actually. If it, um, well, if you're playing at you know HD, um, mm. then splitting the chat window in half and having one being dedicated to chat and one being dedicated to battle, uh, that would be really really nice. Yes. 
So this next one, I was actually very happy that we got the chance to ask, uh, since we narrowed it down, but uh, Final Fantasy XI has so many wonderful cutscenes. Right now, the Goblin footprint system requires a lot of running around. Are there any plans to introduce a cutscene theater of sorts to re-experience the missions and expansion storylines in order? So uh, Yoshiguru Saito, who's a planner, responded with, Unfortunately, internal limitations make this a difficult task, but to be frank, this is something that I would like to change at some point in the future. So that's cool. That's Yes, it is. I, I was honestly kind of floored that it was potentially something that they would work on. So I'm stoked. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand how the system limitations would make that difficult to make that happen. I'm sure it would be a huge undertaking with as many cutscenes as there are, though. Mm. Well, like, not to get off on a tangent, but I wonder if they could almost just sort of add that as a feature to the Mog House, since that's already an instant zone. I have no idea how intense that would be on the Mog House uh, server. Yeah. So. Um, the next one we asked was about trust magic. Um, it's certainly a nice way to level new jobs and adventure for trials and crafting materials. How did you come up with the idea for Trust Magic System? Um, and Ito responds with, We decided our stance on balance for Final Fantasy XI going forward would include making soloing possible in a variety of sol- situations. During the same period, we had a rough proposal for making Reeves and Seekers of Adelin areas soloable, bringing NPCs from the city out to battle with you, and chose to expand this plan to include not only Adelin, but all manner of famous Vanadil NPCs, and change the plan accordingly. This was where the idea came from system side. When it came time to nail down our approach, we found hints in another issue we were facing. At the time, we were planning on taking another look at how the low appeal of completing scenario content due to the poor rewards, and as well as the lack of standout goods for logging campaigns. We thus settled on trust as an achievement-style content, rewarding people for experiencing a variety of event content by increasing the number of alter egos available to them while also setting other alter egos as flagship rewards for logging campaigns, promotional type alter egos, if you will. We will continue this policy going forward and are adding these kinds of alter egos, achievement type rewards, and login campaign rewards each month. So that's that's some pretty um, interesting insight. I hadn't thought about that, how... um, they wanted it a way to, um, as like an incentive for people to complete the storyline missions where the rewards are, I guess, for lack of a better term, outdated, you know, with the exception of Adeline, since it's still new. Mm. Um, and a few choice pieces here and there, like the moonshade earring, but... Cough, Roger's ring, cough. Yeah. Um, yes. But adding trusts as, a, as another incentive for that is pretty cool. It, it almost feels mm-hmm. like, um, like DLC or unlockable stuff on some modern console games. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I was very skeptical of this at first. I was thinking, oh, it's a cop-out, whatever. And then I realized how kind of fun it was since I've been uh, soloing my Beastmaster for the past month or so with a trust here and there. And it's, uh, it's a really fun, nostalgic experience. Mm-hmm. It's also nice, too, for like... Um, I'm st- I still have mixed feelings on the use of trusts in BC fights, but um, for things like Reeves, it's really fun where like um, y- you might need to get past a colonization Reeve and there's nobody else around and like it's really handy to be able to just take out the trust magic and, and be able to progress and not have to be stuck. Mm. So uh, do you have a favorite trust, just uh, since we're already sort of on topic? Um, let's see. Uh, 
<laughs> Sometimes when I'm on Pop-Up Master, I like to summon the two automatons. <laughs> um, I mean, just by default, I usually go with uh, the Moogle and Sakura since they can't die. And regen and refresh is, is always good to have. Um, yeah. But I also have been taking little set out. Just I don't know why, but yeah. she does some pretty decent damage, and it's fun to like see the different moves that she has that dancers don't get. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, cool. I really like um, Ayami because she just skill chains with everything, and it's kind of hilarious. Oh yeah, the other one that I like is uh, is Naja Salahim, especially in Wildkeeper Reeves, because mm. she has that one weapon skill that doubles your next damage or whatever. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, Alrighty. Yep. So, uh, our next one that we asked was a little bit of a niche question, but, um, are there any plans to continue development of monstrosity? Can we look forward to uncapped zones for PvP? And, uh, Eater responded with, this issue is not unique to Monstrosity. A great number of personnel were working on the conclusion to Seekers of Adlin and the expansions and expansions to a variety of content uh, that have been put on the back burner. Though missions themselves have concluded in the November patch, there are still some threads left unconnected, and we will further introduce quests in the Seekers of Adlin-related battle content in the, in the months ahead that will take a deeper look into these stories. As such, we have been unable to prioritize Monstrosity. Scheduled high priority content will be released bit by bit, and once that's been done, there's a possibility that Monstrosity will ri- rise up on the priority list. So that sounds like a pretty straightforward answer. It's um, as that conclusion of Seekers of Adeline ramped up, um, some other things fell off the radar, <laughs> mm. which makes sense because if you've ever done Monstrosity, it's actually a pretty involved system. So L- hopefully evolved because uh, that's kind of the point of it, which is funny. But uh. um, so hopefully it uh, it comes back. I think uncapped PvP would be uh, would be really cool. But um, mm. I'm also excited to hear him mention the uh, they're going to be introducing even more Seekers of Adelon related battle content in the months ahead. Mm. Um, I don't want to speculate necessarily, but maybe that's um, the end game stuff that some people are wondering about. Well, that would be really cool because they had just added the pop NM system. Um, yeah, and uh, I could see like you know those things dropping like a key item, and then sort of having like a pseudo sky system. Which yeah, would be nice. like sky or C or Zenny NM. No, hopefully, not Zenny. Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully without not the Zenny. with the Zenny portion. How, da- how dare you? <laughs> but the whole idea where you um you you know you get the you, they're like tiered NMs. Next one we asked was. Um, aside from avatars, Final Fantasy XI doesn't often borrow classic characters from the main Final Fantasy series. How was the decision made to use a recurring character as the main antagonist for Seekers of Adeline? And just for clarification, we're, ta- we're talking about Hades. And Saito responds with, It's difficult to overstate the fact that Final Fantasy XI has had its origins in the Final Fantasy world setting created by Hiromichi Tanaka and Koichi Ishii ever since the project first began. Whether we are talking about the Middle Ages style fantasy atmosphere, crystals at the heart of the world, a variety of different magic modes of transportation such as chocobos, airships, or the lovable NPCs such as Moogles, it's eminently clear that we borrow not lightly, but quite heavily from established Final Fantasy conventions. What's more, we don't throw these elements in hodgepodge, but blend them into the unique world of Vanadil. Perhaps one reason why some people might feel that way is exactly because they fit very naturally into the setting. 
So we asked um, Kamate for some further clarification on this response. Um, and basically he said that when borrowing elements or characters from the Final Fantasy series, the dev team is extremely careful of how and when they introduce these elements. So the decision to use Hades was made very carefully and intently and in a way that, that made sense into the not, not just the, the scope of Final Fantasy XI, but the Final Fantasy series in general. Um, so, yeah. Mm, it just remains to be seen with those strings that they're going to connect. I think so, yeah. How um, everything will sort of pan out. Yeah. It's from what I understand, there were a few unanswered questions. Yes. The uh, Yeah, so the next episode, we'll, we'll dive into the, the mission spoilers. You could say that we could delve into it? Um, if you hear what you want to hear, I guess. Fine. All right, so uh, we then asked. The Adeline storyline certainly made references to other areas in Vanadil and potentially the existence of another job or two? And also um, another avatar in the Geomancer uh, AF quest. Um, what can we look forward to next? And uh, Saito responded with, uh, Though the missions have been brought to a satisfying conclusion, we still intend to flesh out Adeline with related quests and scenarios. The world setting is constructed in such a way that we can take it into a variety of directions, and if we have the opportunity, we would like to place efforts into doing so again. And it's that little last part that I find really interesting. That if we have an op- if we have the opportunity, yes. Yeah, well, it sounds like um, the way that I took that was that, and this is just my interpretation, this isn't anything that they have said explicitly, but um, I understood that as there's not an expansion in the works just yet, but they're starting to think about what they might do uh, if they plan on doing one. Mm, that's exactly how I feel. I I know that nothing's confirmed yet, but I'm still pretty hyped. Oh yeah, the 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 seeker storyline certainly sets up um, well some stuff. We'll leave it there. Yes. For now. Um, so uh, we asked. Final Fantasy Eleven has enjoyed a successful twelve years in operation so far. Um, what are some of the greatest challenges in keeping things exciting in today's video game landscape? And Matsui actually responded directly to this one, and he said that we pay attention to a variety of things beyond just video games. During the 12 years of service, gaming trends have changed, and the environment in which people enjoy Final Fantasy XI has greatly shifted. We intend to embrace change, not fear it, and feel that it's critical to be able to enjoy the change of times. And I think that's um, that's pretty clear. With if you just look at all of the system changes in the past couple of years, I mean, mm-hmm. the, like the movement screen, uh, movement speed has uh, increased by twenty five percent. All of the home point crystals, trust magic, all that stuff. The game is a lot faster than it used to be. Yes, um, significantly which, so. Which I think reflects you know current gaming trends overall. Mm. Question number 10. We really appreciate the increased level of communication by both the dev and community teams over the past couple of years, as well as the freshly picked Vanda Deal videos. Is there anything else you would like to say to the players? Matsui responded with, To be frank, it may be good to communicate all types of information in-game. I think Freshly Picked Vanda Deal's meaningful initiative to produce pa- to introduce patch content in a different form, as I was never the type of person who poured over at the MMO patch notes. Clearly, he doesn't go to BG. <laughs> in, in part, because it takes place on the day of the patch, we don't really rehearse or prepare much of a script. 
but owing to that I feel we can create an atmosphere that gives people an inside glimpse into the development side of things. The only thing I wish to impart on our players is that I have nothing but appreciation for them coming to enjoy Vanda DL. Of course, I also enjoy hearing anything our players have to say. Yeah, I just had one note um, about this that I wanted to add. And I think what he's talking about in the beginning about um, it may be good to communicate all types of information in-game. I think that means with the um, the increased amount of like actual help text and stuff like that, um, especially if you're a newer player, uh, there's all of these new new uh, tutorial NPCs and stuff like that. And there's um, uh, even with the information... Um, related to missions and stuff like that for Adeline for the most part like it's it's woven into the NPC dialogue um, so as opposed to having to rely on visiting a hundred different websites and stuff like that to get all the information about each patch I think he's saying that um, it's it's better or it's good to communicate information in game uh, or at least important information in game and <clears throat> that he uh, he's enjoying the freshly picked Vanna deal as a way to, to give a behind the scenes look at some stuff well, when you think about it, it's kind of the one common thing that all the players have with the developers. In the end, we all play the same game. Right, And if yeah. he's able to use that as the medium to convey stuff, that's awesome. Yep. So we had one more question. Um, and it's probably the hardest-hitting question it that is. we've ever <laughs> asked. We, Bar um, none. Vivi fought tooth and nail to get this one. He clawed through mud and barbed wire. And a maze of a jungle. Mm -hmm. Um, And we asked, by the way, where does the boat in Norg go? And we actually got an answer. Breaking news. We got a scoop here at Gamer Escape. (laughs) Um, Saito says, that's a good question. In parentheses, laughter. Uh, But putting all jokes aside, Norg has its own burgeoning markets in addition to its den of piracy and as such often engages with trade to nearby islands. As such, it occupies a place similar to Mara and Selbina. There is no one set location. So kind of leaving the door open, but also kind of actually answering the question at the same time. So we, we got the answer that it mostly trade ships. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because, you know, pirates. Right. Um, <laughs> cool. So that's it. That is our interview. And again, special thanks to the dev team and, um, and Kamate for the translation. Mm. And Fusion X for lighting the fire under our butts to kind of make it so we had our own distinct voice yeah yeah so um i guess we have uh, just a couple news items and then a special list of top 11 things we're thankful for in final fantasy 11 uh being the holiday season and all um but you want to go to the news first um, yes, because that seems to be the way that you want to structure the show. So <laughs> Okay. Well, there's, there's, there's two campaigns happening on November 25th through December 20... I'm sorry, through December 9th. And one is Walk of Echoes campaign, where all of the walks will power up to Surged. And then Pictologica campaign will be happening at the same time, um, which is a mobile game in Japan. I think that has to do with the entire Final Fantasy series. And um, there will be special furnishings made available in 11 where you'll be able to get paintings of various NPCs as pixel art for your mock house. That'll be cool. Yeah. Um, so check those out. And then without further ado, our top 11 things we're thankful for 
in Final Fantasy XI. Before we go into that, though, can I actually explain why I'm kind of super stoked for the furnishings at XI that are going to be pixel art? A yes. friend of mine does needlepoint work, and oh, cool. she's been wondering what to get me for Christmas. So if this comes out before then, I can be like, hey, do like this needlepoint thing of, God, I don't know, Trish comboing Shantoto in the face in front of the Selbina violinist. So, yeah, that could be kind of cool. Bueller? <laughs> I have nothing to say about that. Yeah. Okay, so since this week was Thanksgiving, Phoebe and I thought it would be... Well, actually, I thought of it because, let's face it, I'm smarter than he is, that it would be kind of a cute thing or entertaining to go and actually list the things that we're thankful for in the world of Final Fantasy XI, and now we have uh, Vivi Letterman to present you with the top 11 things we are thankful for in Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> Number 11, increased movement speed. Number 10, more home point crystals. Number 9, the lock style command. Number 8, brown mage and lower Juno. I, I don't know about you, but I'm especially thankful for that one. Oh, please, I invented the brown mage. Number 7, Captain Planet reference in the Rune Fencer Relic Gear quest. Number 6, Pop-Up Master. Lol. Number 5, that one time when sneak attack only worked in front of a mob. Number 4, a Mog wardrobe. Thankfully, that doesn't lead to Narnia. <laughs> you changed that, I see. Yes, uh, Number 3, equipment sets. Number two, the mere concept of a pre-solo era Dynamis. And number one, uh, top thing that we're thankful for in Final Fantasy XI, whoever was the first person in Sandoria to try using ranged attacks in the Sunshine Seekers event. Best person <laughs> ever. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> hey, Paul, you got any gum? Uh, no, Dave, I've actually got, uh, you know, uh, only two teeth, so it would just get lost <laughs> in my throat. <laughs> we didn't even rehearse that. Uh, They're not supposed to know. Well, anyway, um, cool, that'll do it for, uh, the special PFB. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at PetFoodBeta. You can email us at PetFoodBeta at GamerEscape.com. Rate and review. Subscribe in iTunes. And, uh, yeah, the interview that you just heard will be available on GamerEscape.com in text format as well. And um, if you're listening to this while traveling for the holidays, I uh, wish you safe travels. Mm-hmm. And Don't drink and dive. Take any one of a ride-sharing app, things from point A to point B, etc., etc. All that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. And we will be back after the December version update. Yes. Uh, that's it. All right. Okay. Are you waiting for me to do my thing? Yeah. Okay. We'll see you next time on Pet Food Beta. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>